Ten days ago, I joined Clayton and Dottie and their family for the burial of Clayton's beloved sister, Margaret Lefevre, in the Riverview Burial Park down on Duke Street, right near County Park. On that misty morning, we stood there pondering a great mystery, how Margaret's death was her birth canal into eternal life and will be ours as well. After the service, Clayton shared with me how his big sister had always been such an inspiration to him and how God's light had shined through her in some especially beautiful ways. And ever since then, I've been thinking about how, though Margaret will no longer be able to be physically present with Clayton and Dottie every Sunday afternoon, as she was for many years, she will still remain a loving presence in their lives. In the months to come, Clayton and Dottie will find themselves sometimes asking, what would Margaret say about this? Or what would Margaret do in this situation? And I'm quite sure they'll clearly know what her answer would be. As Henry Nowen has written, siblings and spouses and children and friends can become our spiritual companions after they've died. Sometimes they can even become more intimate with us, to us, after death than they were with us in life. He says that to remember the dead is to choose their ongoing companionship. Nowen is inviting us to contemplate a wonderful mystery, the deathless nature of love. The deathless nature of love. Every time at this year, we join the church around the planet in remembering the great communion of saints. Hebrews 12.1 calls it the great cloud of witnesses, the folks who are cheering us on from the great balconies of heaven. It's the community of believers from every age past and present and future. As one of our hymns puts it, it's the fellowship of friends on earth and friends above. And in Revelation 7 today, we're given a breathtaking glimpse of what this great communion of saints will look like someday. People from every nation and tribe and language will be drawn into the loving presence of God. 
And the good news is that after God's goodness and mercy have followed us all the days of our lives, we will finally live in the house, in the loving presence of the Lord forever. God will be our final destination. Love will be our last stop. My sister from Atlanta recently came up to visit us. And uh, last Sunday, I took her to Pinnacle Overlook, one of my favorite spots in this whole county. And looking down from that high place, the autumn foliage was at its peak. Misty clouds lingered overhead and birds rode the air currents down below above the dark Susquehanna. But there was one thing that was missing the one thing that makes this fall season so spectacular, sunlight. There was no sunlight that day. And later when I got home, I just happened to come across some photos from an earlier visit to that very same place. And I was reminded again that leaves, much like stained glass windows, only ever really shine because of the sunlight that shines and passes through them. On this All Saints Sunday, we are pausing today to remember and to thank God for the people we have known who have been especially translucent to God in our lives. And we, on this morning, which we continue to focus on reconciliation, are remembering the way that God's forgiveness and grace did not end with these translucent people, but was shared by each of them. They shared this light and reflected this light to each of us. Reconciliation is hard, hard work. And when we think about our own circle of relationships that extends out into our families, our workplaces, our schools, our city, 
we immediately realize how sometimes gut-wrenching and painful and frustrating and incomplete and seemingly hopeless the work of reconciliation can seem. And in our nation's current time of racial reckoning, we're just beginning to realize how much justice work needs to happen first in order for true reconciliation really to occur. But the love of Christ shining through these saints who have gone before us urges us on. And through Jesus, we have been given this same ministry of reconciliation ourselves. We are not the final destination for God's love and light, but have called, been called by God to let the light shine through us, through us and toward others into the challenging circumstances in our challenging lives. I'm giving this sermon here today because of one of these translucent people, a 90-year-old Chinese Christian named Stephen Wong. I saw back in 1994 God's sparkle in his eyes. I saw God's glimmer in his laughter, God's incandescence in his forgiveness for those who had persecuted his family. For many, many years, I saw God's luminosity in his tender care for his wife with Alzheimer's. He was translucent to Christ. And back in 1994, it was during some of the days that I spent staying with him and visiting with him that I heard God's call to become a pastor. And so today, we want to pause. And for you, each of you in your homes, to join me in lighting a candle. And to thank God for perhaps a past member of our congregation, or a beloved family member or friend whom you're missing in a special way, 
or perhaps someone who was especially translucent to the light of God, who modeled the reconciling love, the mending and healing of relationships that is at the very heart and center of our faith. Amen.